Hi, welcome back to Escape Leaving Hell Behind. In this podcast, we talk with people who have left an overbearing religion or cult behind. We are back again today, and I'm here with my guests. Why don't you introduce us to yourself? Hi, my name is Sam. I was raised as a Jehovah's Witness for roughly 17 years. It's great to have you on today. And what made you want to leave Jehovah's Witnesses' faith? It's honestly been my whole entire life. I've always thought that it was not the true religion or a religion at all, honestly. I grew up with a lot of abuse in my family. So ever since a young child, I, I always had a feeling that it just wasn't wasn't the truth. And now what are some of the ways besides abuse that you feel Jehovah's Witnesses harmed you? I think a lot of it comes from, it's hard to say for me at least, I'd say it's more of a very misogynistic, almost misogynistic slavery, I'd say. It's, it's you're raised to think that men are the creators of all and that he's the master growing up with being raised mostly from a single, single mother for most of my life. I've always had a, an issue with that sort of deal. And when you're not allowed to have beards or you see that women aren't allowed to wear pants or give talks, their hair must be colored neutral. It's very hard to see how there's a big separation between those two. And also just, there's a lot of lies. Once you start thinking about like one plus one equals two, and you're told otherwise, you start to ponder and think, what else are they hiding when it comes to that? And now when you were Jehovah's Witnesses, is that who abused you? Or is that separate from that? Yeah, so it was mostly my my mother and father. My father was a very abusive alcoholic and he hit it quite well. He spent about nine years with my family, at least, uh, abusing us. And I spent a lot of months going from shelter to shelter, women's shelter, sleeping there, staying with, with family and friends and countless stories <laughs> about my family coming in and trying to save us. But the one thing that I honestly just started to realize is the fact that it was so well hidden and no one honestly spoke about it. And that's due to the religion. We're, we're taught to to hide what we feel and, and what we think and, and to keep it under wraps. And because you don't want to spread a, a negative viewpoint on the organization or else that's going to be giving Jehovah a bad rap, but not not your family because that's not what's important. It's the viewpoint of Jehovah. So that was very hard because you weren't allowed to speak up upon anything. And I did recently find out that a lot of the the congregation leaders, the elders, they they knew about the abuse. My sister phoned them and said, like, I don't know if what you know, but this is what's going on. The my eight-year-old is being dragged out in the snow. Like these are these are serious things. And and they they said that unless there was evidence, unless there was proof, they can't do anything. It's out of their control to not contact the authorities because again, that would that could break into the news, that could cause a a case with the police. And if it's mentioned that Jehovah's Witnesses, that's how we were raised, that could be a negative viewpoint uh, upon the organization. So it's a very it was a very rough thing to to see and to honestly figure out as you grow old as well. And now were both your parents Jehovah's Witnesses or just one or both or how is that? Yeah, so they were both raised as Jehovah's Witnesses. Both of them throughout their lives left, came back. My mother 
left when she was in her teenage years and came back after her son unfortunately passed away, one of her sons. So I think that was a breaking moment, a breaking moment for her. But for my father, he's always been in and out. He was in prison. He has always had a very rough life. So he was in and out throughout his life. Yeah. And now does your mom still go or did she leave as well? My mother is still currently in the organization. She hasn't left since she was roughly 18. And for my father, he is currently not attending meetings, but he is he still believes in the in the truth. And now where you don't go, have you just faded or have you been disassociated? How is that for you? Yeah, so thankfully I was never baptized. I'm very thankful for that. I tried multiple times to to get baptized, but failed multiple times. So I was just an unbaptized publisher when I was roughly 17. I was having a lot of mental health issues and it kind of dawned on me that it's all because of the religion. So I decided to stop going. I did my part of listening on the phones just to make my mother feel good. But so I'm just faded right now, physically out, mentally out. So yeah, very thankful for that. So then it sounds like your mom is still allowed to talk to you then, correct? Correct. Yeah. She still talks to me. She keeps a, a good relationship with me. And same with all my other siblings as well. One is disfellowship and she still keeps a good contact with him. Oh, that's a little surprising because I know that they really push to shun people who've been disfellowshipped. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, she surprisingly still talks to him. That's something I've been trying to to map out here on my end of of why she would still do that. And I think honestly, for, for her, I think the only thing that is keeping her in is that social aspect of having, you know, all these lifetime friends and, and families and connections that she's had for over 40, 50 years. And I think that's keeping her in and the, just the, the thought of her, her mother being resurrected and her, her little boy that passed away. I think that's just keeping her in. But it, it seems like everything else, all the, the rules and everything, she doesn't strictly apply it talking and keeping in touch with disfellowship ones, at least family members. Maybe that's just a a role that she seems that she deems a little bit silly. But everything else is very, very strict. So now what made it so that they didn't want to let you get baptized? Because it seems like religions, high demand religions and cults, they always push to have people get baptized. That seems a little bit odd that they wouldn't want you to be baptized. Yep. I it was very, very odd, especially now that they're pushing to have young elders, mid-20s to be appointed as elders. So they're very worried about the numbers dwindling. So they're pushing for, for young people to step up. But for me, it was just very, very bad timing. One, I was a little young and partially confused, I believe. And I think they saw that because I wasn't confident in my, in my answering and my questions. And they encouraged me to study more. And then the second time I was actually dating another girl from a different congregation and there was rumors spread very quickly in the organization and the elders heard that I was trying to sleep with her and that blew up into a whole entire thing. I was I was 17, she was 16. They heard that we were trying to, to have a relationship and they started to pretty much say like, you know, if you were 18, 
we would take you to court. We would make sure that you would be marked as a sexual predator, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I've been dating this girl for a year underneath your nose. Like, I'm surprised you didn't know about it sooner. They just saw this tiny little relationship just because we were young and they blew it up into something that is completely outrageous and stupid just to stop someone potentially harming their congregation, their sheep. It was really tough, but I'm I'm very happy that they didn't let me <laughs> get baptized. Well, it probably made leaving a lot easier. Big time, big time. So now where you mentioned how they blew up your relationship and made this big deal about it, what are some of the other ways purity culture harmed you? A lot of psychological issues. Now that I'm at the age of, of where I'm, I'm currently in school, I'm taking more time to, to learn about myself and my beliefs and, and who I am because I feel like when you're in this religion, you are, at least for me because I was born in, you, you enter without an identity and you leave without an identity. They strip everything of you. So now that I'm trying to rebuild of who I am, I'm, I'm starting to realize that, you know, like all of this, this neglect and abuse is, has really done me a lot of psychological harm. I, the books that were in the, or like all the literature that they would release, it would show, you know, men with stakes through their head. There's like hellfire raining down. There's pits opening up. There's people getting swallowed by the ocean. And you just see these children dying and suffering. And that stuff is just ingrained in my brain. So now I'm, I'm trying to learn to forget that or acknowledge it. So a lot of psychological issues on my end. It's, it's, it's a very hard thing being gaslit 24-7 of your life, being told that you're wrong and you're bad for thinking this certain way. But in reality, you just want to you know, I want to eat Lucky Charms, but I can't because, you know, that's the devil. There's devil in this cereal. Like, no, <laughs> you're just putting thoughts in my mind. And and that's very hard to break free of that. So what are some of the other things you enjoy doing since you've left? Socializing, having friends. I'm allowed to go out. I can be out past midnight. I'm not being judged if I'm having one or two beers. I'm not being judged to have tattoos or, you know, I grew my hair long, like I'm just being me. I'm being someone that I always wanted to be, but I wasn't allowed to. So whether that's playing more violent video games, smoking cannabis, just things that that I wasn't allowed to do, I'm very thankful that I'm I'm allowed to do them now. And what are three tips you have for people looking to leave a high demand religion or cult? Be patient. It's it's going to take a lot of time a lot of work personally, mentally, physically to leave. But making that step, that first step of mentally leaving, that's the big step. Because once you f- finally mentally decide that, you know, this isn't the thing for me, then that's where the fun begins and you get to learn all the messed up things that they may be doing or or practicing and and you can help others as well. Take your time too. I know it's hard to leave something that has been such a big part of your life. But if you burn all your bridges, if you tell your parents, you know, middle fingers up and screw you, I'm, I'm never going to talk to you again. It, that can damage it because in their mind, they're the right ones. There's a brick wall and they just can't see through. So helping them, you know, take down that brick wall, being there for them. If they don't want to listen, you know, it's their loss, unfortunately. But being there for yourself and, I don't know if that was three, but. (laughs) 
And now this is specific to you. What are three tips you have for people who are being shunned by their family to kind of deal with it where you haven't had to experience that, fortunately? I'm actually being shunned by everyone in the religion as well. So thankfully, my family has been very, very gracious and still keeping that close contact with me. But I lost probably 500 plus friends from congregations and just friends from all over the world. I've had two people reach out. And even when they reached out, they were just preaching to me. They weren't even asking how I was doing. So still getting shunned, but thankfully not for my family. So very thankful for that. My tips would be you know, to get other friends, like there's, there's millions and billions of people. So reach out, there's apps to meet new friends. If you enjoy playing sports, go join a a sports team or a recreational facility and try and meet new people because those relationships you had before those were, unfortunately, not really friendships, those were just friendships based on the religion, they were there for the religion and not for you personally. Understanding that knowing that those friendships may have been fake, finding new friendships, and just doing things you love. That'll really help honestly distract yourself and move on from that. Those are great tips. And now as we're getting close to wrapping up, is there anything else you'd like to add today? Yeah, for anyone that is interested in it, there is called the bite model. It's pretty much talking about combating cult mind control. And it argues whether the Jehovah's Witnesses are a cult or not. And it's it's based on behavioral control, information control, thought control, emotional control. So B-I-T-E. And if you go to freedomofmind.com, it gives you a whole like list of all the control methods that they use. And it tells you what they do use, what they partially use or anything. So if anyone is interested in understanding what they do more of behind the scenes, that is a good thing to to check out such good information and thank you for coming on and have a great day thank you thanks again for joining us today as always i want to give special thanks to our sponsor and friend corporate design solutions who has generously made it possible for this podcast to be a reality if anyone is looking for help protecting their digital info please email michael at helpdesk at corpdesignsolutions.com